One of the skills I've had to develop as a teacher, as a life coach, as a pastor, is to ask questions. That was not always my method. It's a skill I've had to learn and develop and work on. From a child, I've had the answers. Whether you needed to know something or not was not important. I was there to tell you. Now, not everyone has that particular problem, but most all of us have the problem of trying to fix something for someone when they bring us their problems. We don't want them to suffer any longer. We're, We're motivated by good wishes, so we provide advice. And that advice is usually the first thing that comes to our mind. Now, whether the advice is good or not is not the problem. The problem is in the giving. You've all heard the fish proverb. Give a man a fish, and he'll eat for a day. Teach him to fish, and he'll eat for a lifetime. Now, this applies to many areas of our life, but especially to what I've been talking about. When you just give an answer, that's it. They have an answer. They have no idea how you got that answer. They understand nothing of the process. In other words, they don't own it. Let's take it to the beginning education level. If a student asks the teacher, teacher, what's two plus two? And the teacher gives an answer, four. Then the student has nothing to build on. So the student is left to ask the next question, teacher, what's two plus three? They have no possibility of understanding the process. As a result, thinking is hindered. They'll always be dependent on someone else to give them the answers. Now, we've grown accustomed to that, it seems, in our society. We want answers. I had a teacher get upset with me just last week on Facebook because I wouldn't give her the answer to the questions that she was asking. Rather, I was asking her to think through what it was that she was asking. She got highly irritated and told me that I should give answers, not make people think. This is a teacher. Back in the 80s, I was talking to a psychiatrist friend of mine along these same lines. He said, Dale, now this is the 80s, so the price is different. He said, Dale, people pay me $75 an hour to help them with their problems, but they don't want to think. As soon as I start asking them questions, they shut down. So what I've given you is a long introduction to the message I want to share with you this morning. Hopefully the message won't be as long as the introduction. But let's return to the scripture lesson for this morning. From Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 through 13. And we know this is after Adam and Eve had, were created and had uh, partaken of the forbidden fruit. <clears throat> and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves in the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, 
where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Did you notice how the blame kept getting passed down? Nobody taking responsibility. Now I've highlighted the three questions that the Lord asked the first humans. He said, where are you? He asked, who told you? And he asked, what have you done? Now, who was asking these questions? God. God was asking the questions, right? Now, we're talking about the all-knowing, all-powerful, ever-present one. Do you think he needed the answer to those questions? That's not why he was asking the questions. He knew where they were. He knew what they had done. So why was he asking the questions? He asked for their benefit, for them to begin thinking about their situation. And a lot of times, that's the question. And that's the purpose of the questions, to begin thinking. Paul told us to do this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5, he said, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. So examine yourself. Where are you? Now, you could do like Adam and state the obvious. I'm here in a church building on Sunday morning. But the Lord is after something much deeper than just a surface observation. And this is the value of being able to ask questions when, with, of someone when you're trying to help them. Learn how to ask questions. When people give me just a glib answer like that, like I would be prone to do when somebody says, where are you? I'd say the same thing. I'm here in a church building. But when people give me that glib answer when we're looking to help, when they want help, I then take them deeper by asking more probing questions. It's okay to get that surface stuff out of the way. In photography, you know, when I have to take pictures of kids, especially in a family, you know how kids act up for pictures, okay? And the hardest thing I have to do is to get the parents to quit trying to get them to straighten up especially when I'm taking a picture of an infant. They will look down at the infant, force the infant to be looking at me, and then by the time they look up, the infant looks at them because they moved. I can't get the parents to stay still. But with the kids who want to act up, I say, parents, leave them alone. Kids, give me your ugliest, weirdest face right now. And I take their picture. And they're mine after that. Because I let them do that. So we let people go where they're going to go, but we ask questions to get them moving in that direction. So the question is this morning, not where are you physically, but where are you in your faith? Where are you in your walk with God? When I was in the traveling ministry with my family, the Lord would usually give me a theme for the ministry 
that I would have in the various churches I would be going to. And on my last trip out in 1985, it seemed that the theme was to take out everything you believe and lay it on the table and examine it. Now, I shared that almost everywhere I went, but little did I know that that question was mainly for me, not for the churches necessarily. And as a result, I've gone through some major shifts in my thinking since then. And part of the reason for that shift is found in the next question. Who told you? Who told you about what it is that you believe? Adam and Eve believed they were naked, which to them had become shameful. Hadn't they been naked for quite some time? That's the way they were created. Hadn't they walked with God prior to this without shame? Yes. Now, all of a sudden, they were ashamed of their condition. And so the Lord asked them to consider where they had gotten that information. Who told you? Is their authority any good? Do they have a basis for it? Now, Jesus challenged that notion many times during his ministry. In the Sermon on the Mount, for instance, he said six different times, he said, you have been told, but I say to you. Six different times. He challenged what they had been taught. The Jews believed a lot of things that Jesus seemed to challenge. They had been told something by their religious leaders, and they just believed it. And Jesus challenged that. Most of what we've gotten, we've gotten from our religious leaders. Doesn't make it wrong. Just need to know, who told you? The Samaritan woman at the well said that she had been told one thing, but she knew that the Jews believed another. She wanted to know the truth. She said, Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you, you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. She was looking at the local, physical place of worship. And Jesus agreed with neither, but he took her deeper. He gave her the truth about worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. And he goes on to say, but they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. He went to the heart of the matter that worship was not an event that you go to and attend. It is something out of the heart. So then, are you willing? Are you willing to have what you've always believed be challenged? What happens when that happens to you? What, what is your response when someone has something that's different from what you believe? How do you react? I believe these are important questions. To let us know where we are, where we stand. Because for some of us, we still stand where we stood 50, 60 years ago, and there's been no progress, no change. Psalm 55 and verse 19, the last half of the verse says, because they have no changes, therefore they fear not God. We lose our fear of God without change in our life that he brings. In many sections of Paul's various letters, he tells his readers to pay attention to what they're being taught. And then he says, don't give it any heed. 
Whoa. Think about that. He says, pay attention to what, you're li- what they're saying, but don't, don't pay any attention. Don't listen. Don't give it any heed. That puts us in a tough spot, doesn't it? How are we to discern? How do we know? We want to trust our leaders, especially those who speak the word of God to us. In fact, we're told to do this. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 7, he says, Remember your leaders, those who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Here here we are told to know more than just what they say, but do you understand their life? See, I believe very strongly and this is me, I don't know that I have any scripture for it, but I believe very strongly that truth is not imparted mind to mind, but truth is imparted life to life. The way you live is the truth of what you believe, and that truth is what others will see and absorb. The rest of it is an intellectual game, something we do. I don't mean a game as something that's not valid, it is. But truth, for us to own it, is imparted life to life. Nowhere are we told to simply believe what we are told. In fact, Acts chapter 17 and verse 11, speaking of um, the Bereans, Luke says, And these, the Bereans, were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they searched the word daily to prove if the things that Paul was saying or so. They listened to Paul, but they didn't just take it in and say, oh, wow, that's, that's new stuff. We really like that. We'll take it. No, they went and had to prove it for themselves. We are told to test the preacher and the spirit of what they are saying. John tells us in his first letter, chapter 4, and verse 1, he says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Now, There's a principle here that we need to understand in this verse and the one I just quoted from Acts chapter 17. It's not examine them or test them to see if they're wrong. We can do that. That's easily done. We are to test and examine them to see if they are right. You're looking for the truth in what is said to see whether they are from God. Yes, many false prophets have gone out into the world. But if you go looking... And listening for what is wrong, you're always going to find something. It may be a word, maybe a phrase, but aha, that's it. That proves they're a false prophet. Now, there are preachers and teachers who teach things only to lure people in. We understand that. Now, I haven't got time to go into how that occurs, how it happens, or what it is that we're to do about it, or think how do we allow that to happen. Just know that it does happen, and it still happens today. But now that's one of the reasons why I give you so much Scripture on what I say. I want you to see that what I'm saying is backed up by the Bible and are not just my opinion drawn out of thin air. But even that is not sufficient. You need to be in the Word yourself. You need to check the context. I give you a verse. What's on either side of it? We must be able to say, like we learned a couple of weeks ago, we've got to be able to say, when asked, who told you? The Holy Spirit told me. 
The Holy Spirit gave me that truth. The Holy Spirit gave me that revelation. We need to be able to say that. We need to be able to say it without shame and with conviction. Remember, the Holy Spirit was given to guide us into all truth. John, Jesus said in John 16 and verse 13, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth, for He will not speak on His own authority. But whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. Now, God may use the means of preachers and teachers, a pastor, but you must learn, it's your responsibility, you must learn to test the things that are spoken regardless of who says them, myself included. I'm not bothered by challenge. I like questions. But then we come to the final question that God asked. What have you done? Now, yes, it was asked apparently in an accusing tone. But remember, these questions were not asked for God's benefit. They were asked so that Adam and Eve might think about their situation. What have you done? Is a question we often ask our children when we caught them in some mischief. Some people ask their dogs that. They shame them. What have you done? Okay. But I'm asking it in a different light this morning. I'm not asking you to own up to any mischief. That's not what God's after. When he says, what have you done? He's asking, what have you done with the things that you've been given? Jesus used the question in the parable of the talents. The master returned from a trip and asked his servants what they had done with the money he had left them. He's asking us that same question today. What have you done with what I have given you? Have you used the gifts I have given you? Did you multiply them? Or did you hide them? Let's not be like a friend of ours, mine and Gracie's from Pennsylvania. She was a home care nurse working with children, but she felt like she didn't have any gifts or any kind of ministry. It took quite some time because of what she had been told and because she didn't know where she was in God's kingdom, it took a long time to get her to realize that her gift, her ministry, was wrapped up in the job that she loved so much. Her gift was being used in a job. But too often we're told different things. She couldn't see it because of the way she'd been taught. So the question is asked of you. What have you done? What have you done with the gifts and abilities that God has given you? Where are you with that? Have you used them to serve others? Have you used your gift to be a blessing to others? You may well have used what you were given for a job, as our friend did. That doesn't mean that you didn't serve others. Many times our jobs are a place of service. And when we look at the whole, I don't know the right word, framework of society, it's all a service. The truck driver going down the highway delivering goods is serving a people. Yes, he's taking care of his family by doing a job for which he gets paid, 
but his service is necessary. The people who built that road out there, serving humanity. We can look at what we do as service. So where are you in your faith walk? Are you further along than when you first began? I would hope so. And I think if you would take close examination, you'd find that it's true. There are things that you're able to handle in your life now that you probably couldn't handle five or ten years ago. But because you've grown and matured in your faith and in the knowledge of the Word, more can be handled. Who told you what it is that you believe? Are they reliable? And most of all, are you willing to examine what it is that you believe to see if it's still true? That's another thing that we often forget. Sometimes things are true now in the moment where we are. For instance, think back to your high school education in physics. We were taught things that... uh, are no longer held true just in the realm of physics, what we called Newtonian physics. Remember the apple dropped on his head and he discovered and taught about gravity. And now quantum physics is changing everything we know about physics. Doesn't mean it wasn't true. I was taught that the atom was the smallest particle there is. That's all we knew back then. But that truth, as true as it was then, has changed. There were people who believed before Columbus sailed the ocean, there were people who believed that the earth was flat. It's been proven otherwise, but there are still people who believe the world is flat. And finally, what have you done with the gifts God has given you? If you'll take the time to consider these questions, I believe that if you will lay aside any false sense of humility, you will hear the Father say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. Listen for that affirmation. His questions are not meant to condemn you, but to give you an opportunity to truly assess your condition and position. Lay aside the things of the past over which you have no control. Those things of regret, failure. You can't fix them. You can't make them right. Decide today to move forward with what God has given you. I believe that regardless of your age, regardless of how much time you may have left, or even what time you may have squandered in the past, know that the Father is ever waiting for you. He wants to put His arms around you and say, Well done, thou good and faithful child of mine. As the song ended, It's not in the beginning scripture of Genesis, but it's the truth of the gospel. Don't hide yourself from me, God says. I love you.